Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Air and Fun Average Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Prophet, coming to you from Wichita, Kansas. And with me, as always, I have Eric Bolin. I mean, Johnny Bolin from the uh, New Life Retirement, I mean, the New Orleans Baby Cakes Memorial Museum and Podcast Communication Center. Well, Johnny, obviously, uh, all of our listeners are probably wondering why you called yourself Eric as well. It's because we have another Eric joining <laughs> us today. We have Eric Vickery with us today. How are you, Eric? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks. Uh, really appreciate you joining us. So, Eric, we've had a guest before, uh, same name as Johnny. And so we usually designate this Johnny as the average Johnny. So, Johnny, <laughs> when when you uh, when you talk to us, make sure you designate which is which. I don't know if you have a nickname for either one of us, but you just want to make sure you're distinguished since we have a couple Eric's today. I think I'm going to go St. Louis, Eric. There we go. Okay, I can go with that. Well, Eric, one of the first segments we do like talking about, and this will kind of make sense here, is what hats we have on. Can you tell everybody what hat you're wearing? Yeah, so I've got uh, one of my St. Louis Cardinal hats on. It's the uh, classic uh, birds on the bat. Uh, logo. This was actually one of their alternate logos back in the 1940s. Uh, it's got the cardinal on the bat with a, a red bill and a navy blue uh, hat. I love that classic style hat. I know Johnny is all about the kind of the old style as well. So Mr. Bullen, what do you have today? I wish I could channel my inner young professor. I can't do his uh, his vocal skills, you know. I'm wearing the bad boys from Banana Land, the Savannah Party Animals. Did you switch allegiances then from the bananas to the party animals? No, I, I just I just like the hat, and I was told by the CEO this is my last new hat till Christmas. So <laughs> this came off the 47 brand website. Okay. So yeah, little dad hat cleanup model party animal, and I know Joe Prophet is a big party animal fan of their their logos and colors, and I love the colors. This this hat kind of has it muted, you know, predominantly black. We still have the pink and the bright colors and the great logo uh, that by the great Dan Simon. But yeah, just a little little bit more of a uh, muted color scheme for the party animals. I love it. Really like the party animals. It's fun watching them when they get to play against the Savannah Bananas. And myself tonight, I'm wearing uh, an official league hat. It's uh, the Sioux Falls Canaries. We partnered with Curve Brim Media and the folks at Official League and did a a contest here over the last couple of weeks that's just getting ready to end here within the next hour where we asked any designers to go out there and design a pickleball hat. Um, this hat here is a wool hat. It's all navy and then says Sioux Falls in white kind of cursive on it. But today I'm wearing the Sioux Falls Canaries hat. Very cool. So, Eric, I wanted to just kind of go back kind of from the early days when you kind of started becoming a baseball fan. So kind of take us into that and uh, what led you into being a Cardinals fan. Sure thing. Well, I, I grew up in Alton, Illinois, which is about 20 miles from St. Louis. So definitely Cardinals territory. And uh, I think like most kids in that area of the country, you know, grew up a baseball fan and a Cardinal fan specifically. And that was kind of in the mid to late 80s is when I started um falling in love with baseball. I remember the 86 tops cards were my first uh, cards I collected. And that was kind of the first year I really started following the team. And then of course, a year later, they were in the World Series. So that was a kind of cool way to start my fandom. So you said, would you say Alton, Illinois? Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know where specifically it is in comparison. I have family that they used to live in Centralia. And okay. so that's just a little bit kind of maybe a little bit further east. I'm not sure specifically where Alton's at in comparison, but it was it's not too far from St. Louis. And then that, now they've moved a little bit closer. They're still on the Illinois side, but I'm a little familiar with that area. 
Okay. Yeah. Alton is right on the, uh, right where the Mississippi and Missouri rivers uh, meet. So right on the river, just a little bit North of St. Louis. Okay. But now, so are you no longer, so where do you live now then? Uh, so that life has brought me out to Washington state. So I live uh, uh, near Seattle. I lived out here for the last 10 years, but maintain my allegiances to the uh, Cardinals and uh, all my family and, and friends are still back in St. Louis area. So I'm back there several times a year. Okay. Yeah, I'm roughly six or seven hours here in Wichita from St. Louis. And um, like I said, now that they live, so they live in O'Fallon, Illinois now. So uh, not too far okay, from sure. St. Louis. So when we go see them, we usually try to check out a, a Cardinals game. Always love going out there. Bush Stadium's really nice stadium. Love the view. If you sit kind of back up behind the plate, you could see the arch. And then it's always fun going out to the ballpark village out kind of in the outfield and see the you know, the little shops and the bars and everything out there as well. So I love getting to go out to Bush when I get a chance. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's not the not the Bush I grew up with. You know, I grew up with the old cookie cutter uh, stadium back in the uh, 80s and 90s. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely an upgrade, I would say. Got the uh, that uh, arch in the background. Yeah. And so I think it maybe it was your website that I saw. So I guess since you're out in Washington now, you consider a secondary team. Your second favorite team maybe is now the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah, we're uh, partial season ticket holders and go to quite a few games. Unfortunately, being an American League team, it's a little easier to to root for root for both. And with the uh, MLB.com, it's pretty easy to keep up with the Cardinals. So yeah, I watch a lot of baseball during the summer between those two. Now, starting, I think this year, every team has to play each other. So I don't know if the Cardinals got a chance to go out to Seattle this year. But if not, I'm assuming you'll probably go to those games when they do make it out to uh, see uh, play the Mariners. Exactly. Yeah, we were there this year and uh, usually have some family and friends that make the trip out when uh, when that happens. So, yeah, I usually have a Cardinals jersey and a Mariners hat or, or, or vice versa just to kind of represent both teams. Yeah, my brother and I do a lot of traveling and this summer. We got a chance to go out to Seattle, uh, went to see some minor league games in the area like the Everett Aqua Sox and the Tri-City Dust Devils and the Tacoma Rainiers. But then we did get to go to a game at T-Mobile to see the Mariners. And it was a really, really nice stadium. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. We're we're really fortunate to have a a retractable roof out here in in Seattle that never have to worry about the weather. Um, Yeah. yeah, A couple of minor league teams that are really close by. And then also Spokane uh, has a team out on the uh, eastern side of the state. Yeah, nobody can. Obviously, since this is audio only, no one can see your shirt. But yeah, you have a uh, Spokane. Tell us a little bit about that, the, the name that's listed on there. Yeah, so this is a Spokane Indians shirt, and it's their Salish language logo. They've um, the team has partnered with the uh, Spokane tribe to kind of help honor the indigenous people of Eastern Washington, and um, have created this logo, which includes a. Uh, Spokane Indians written in Salish language. So it's the only professional baseball team with a Native American language on its uniform. I like that. Yeah, unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to get out to Spokane to see a game. I'm I'm thinking maybe the week we were out there, they were like on the road or something. I wish I would have got a chance to see a game. But yeah, I like that shirt you have on. Yeah, thank you. It's, yeah, it's a cool park. Uh, it was built when the um, Spokane Indians became the affiliate of the Dodgers back in the late 50s, early 60s. So it kind of has that same vibe as like Dodger Stadium. Awesome. I appreciate you sharing a little bit about your shirt there as well. Well, St. Louis, Eric, uh, could you tell us about your recent book, 
that has come out about the 82 Cardinals. That was before Mr. Prophet was born. I certainly remember that World Series as a kid. Yeah, sure thing. So, yeah, I was only uh, three years old when the 82 uh, World Series was played, so I actually have no <laughs> recollection of uh, that series myself. So that's kind of where my, my research came in and in writing. I really uh, started writing about baseball uh, during the pandemic, kind of got involved with the Society for American Baseball Research or SABRE. Are you guys familiar with the Bio Project? Oh, yeah. 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 So it's essentially uh, SABRE members can sign up to write bios for basically any player uh, in Major League history. His goal is eventually to have a, a bio for each player. So just to kind of um, pass some time when there was no baseball during the pandemic, I started doing a little bit of writing and researching and I wrote up some of my uh, favorite players from my childhood, like guys like Willie McGee, Tom Herr, and so forth. And I really enjoyed that process of writing and researching. And yeah, it kind of led to me writing this this book about the 82 team, uh, which like I said, I was I became a fan more in the mid to late 80s. So my favorite players growing up were Willie McGee, Ozzie Smith, Tom Herr, Bob Forsh, all these guys that were members of the 82 team. So it was kind of cool to go back and kind of revisit that 82 season from scratch. You know, just kind of reading all the game stories, watching what games I could on, on YouTube and reading books, articles, uh, interviewing some former players, just whatever I could do to kind of get, gather the most information I could about that season and kind of put it all together. What was the biggest surprise in your research and putting the book together? What really surprised you the most? You know, one of the things that sort of fascinates me about the 80s Cardinals is their style of play, which is so different from the style of play we have today. You know, they were all about speed and defense. They had you know guys like Lonnie Smith, Ozzie Smith, uh, Willie McGee. Uh, David Green, Tom Herr, all stealing double stolen bases. The Cardinals actually stole 200 bases uh, in 82. So it was really kind of cool to go back and look at that style of play, which we really don't see today. And then on the flip side, they hit only 67 home runs, which today is like virtually unheard of, you know, that a team would hit that few home runs and to not only hit that few home runs, but actually win by doing so. You know, they're the uh, one of just a handful of teams in Major League history that has uh, won a pennant by hit, hitting the fewest home runs. But what, what surprised me, I think, in my research was also, I, I think an overlooked part of the Cardinals that year was their pitching. You know, they didn't really have any aces like Steve Carlton or Nolan Ryan, nobody like that. They had guys like Andujar, Forsh, uh, some rookies, of course, a, a Hall of Fame closer and uh, Bruce Suter. But their pitching is really what carried the team, especially down in the playoff uh, push. They had a, a stretch where they, in 11 straight games, they allowed two earned runs or fewer, which is uh, only happened a, a few times in, in history. So that, that kind of surprised me. I think people think of speed and defense, but the, the pitching is really um, was one of the strengths of the team. It's always been talked about with that World Series. The Cardinals beat one of the best hitting teams, Harvey's Wallbangers. You know, that 82 Brewers exactly. team, as you know, loaded Cecil Cooper, Molitor, Robin Yao, that lineup of deadly bats. And yeah. for the Cardinals win, as you said, with defense and pitching, against a team that just loved to hit it all over the yard. Yeah, yeah 216 home runs, 216 to 67 was the uh, the difference. So, oh, I wanted to ask you, if you could have dinner with any four Cardinals, past or present, who would it be? Well, that's, that's a lot of very talented and great players to choose from and personalities. I'd have to say, you know, top of the list uh, on any Cardinal fans, Mount Rushmore is going to be Stan Musial, not only the greatest oh, yeah. 
football to ever play, but uh, you know, one of the greatest players in the history of the game. So he would definitely be at the dinner table. Bob Gibson, similarly, you know, one of the most dominant pitchers in the game, you know, intimidating as all heck. My other two spots, I, w- I would have to go maybe more uh, personality. You know, Whitey Herzog, certainly, uh, I'd probably have to choose him. He was great, great personality, one of the great personalities in the game. Uh, I actually had a chance to interview Whitey for one of the Sabre bios that I did, and it kind of w- was one of the things that led me to write this book. He's, I think, 92 now, still sharp as a tack. His mm-hmm. baseball knowledge is just is off the charts. So we'd love to have him uh, at the dinner table. And then I think Joaquin Andahar would be my uh, fourth choice, you know, known for some pretty off the wall quotes back in the day. <laughs> I think it's one of his best known. He's, his favorite word uh, is you never know. <laughs> Mississippi has one of the oddest Cardinals related sites. There's actually a rest area in Wiggins, Mississippi, dedicated to Dizzy Dean. Oh, okay. Interesting. A it's like a little mini museum in the little town of Wiggins, Mississippi, which is not, I guess you'd say that sort of southeast part of the state. But it's fascinating how they dedicated that to him. Apparently, his wife was from Wiggins and he lived in Wiggins. He's okay. one of those. I wish I had been old enough or been around to hear him call baseball game. Yes. Yeah, for sure. You know, from what I've read and from what I hear, he was another one of those kind of great characters who had some kind of a off the wall sayings and expressions. But yeah, <laughs> for sure. But that's that's interesting that he has a rest, rest stop of all things. The Dizzy Dean rest stops. It's a fascinating little place to go and see, you know, all the pictures and all the stuff that they have in there. And it amazes me because, as you know, that place is open 24-7. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a rest. So, like, <laughs> they got some camera, you know, because, I mean, there's not like, you know, anything that you would see in a museum, but it does have some nice artifacts. And like I said, a lot of photos uh, of Disney Dean, you know, in a rest area. So that, that to me, that's, like I said, one of the most uh, unusual places you wouldn't expect in a state-owned rest area be dedicated to a baseball player and such a famous player. There was always some dispute where he actually was born, Arkansas. Was it Mississippi? Where was he actually, actually from, right? So, yeah, you know, I always thought it was Arkansas, but who knows? I guess back then the records weren't as well kept, and uh, who knows the real story, I guess. Yeah, I'd always heard Arkansas, but then I read something one time that Possibly it was Mississippi, and when he was a child, they moved. I, you know, there's so much uh, legend about him, mm-hmm. you know, that you know, what was the actual historic facts, you know, during his time, uh, especially during his career. He just has become such a, is such a legend in the folklore about Dizzy Dean, you know, and his brother and, and just that family, you know, it's just always been uh, fascinating to me. And, you know, I, I kind of live in sort of Cardinals territory here. I think uh, KMOX um, had something to do with that large reach that the Cardinals have had uh, kind of throughout the Midwest and Southern United States. Oh, yeah. They were always, as you know, historically pre-Atlanta Braves kind of considered the South's team, like you said, because of the reach of their radio network, you know, that they were sort of the team of, of the deep South uh, was the St. Louis Cardinals because they were the closest team prior to Atlanta coming in what, 66, I think, I think was the first year of the Atlanta Braves. It was in the sixties. I should know that, but 
Yeah, and they were the furthest team west until the Dodgers and Giants moved. Right. And, of course, next year they're playing at uh, Rickwood in Birmingham, which uh, is, is really cool. They're playing, uh, I think, the first inaugural game there next summer. Eric and I have been dreaming of how to get tickets. I don't think that will be. <laughs> uh, I don't think neither one of us have the funding to make that happen. Uh, you know, I don't <laughs> Usually they go to the season ticket holders first. And then if there's nothing after that, I would love to go to the minor league game because I think Birmingham is playing Montgomery two days beforehand. And that I think that'd be a fun game there at Rickwood as well. Do you guys know how many yeah. fans that stadium holds? I think it's around 10,000 at full capacity. Okay. Uh, speaking of Sabre, I, I, I'm on the Rickwood Sabre page through the power of Facebook, and they've been posting photos of the renovations that are taking place because it's closed until the minor league game for all the work that's being done there. So there, there've been photos through that Saber Facebook page. And uh, in fact, this very podcast every week is posted on the Rickwood Saber page. And, you know, usually St. Louis, Eric, I get at least one like, but you know, <laughs> I try, right? So, you know. <laughs> Maybe we'll get two this week. The guy, the guy that's the administrator of, of it's a friend of mine and, uh, when we saw him in June, he goes, don't you have a podcast? I said, yeah. He goes, hey, feel free to put it on our page. Thank you, Joe. I will take care of that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, it is on a, a, a Sabre page for the Rickwood, uh, Rickwood chapter. Now, Eric, you were talking about your – Johnny was asking about if you could meet up with four St. Louis Cardinals. So, obviously, there's a lot of great Cardinals to choose from, but – Obviously not going kind of the current or I guess former current age with Albert Pujols. As a St. Louis Cardinals fan, I don't know, do the do the fans still like him even though he did? I know he came back, but because he left and went to L.A. for a while? Yeah, I, there was definitely some bitterness, I think, when he you know took took that you know larger contract essentially to play uh for the angels but yeah the way the way he was welcomed back in his final year and you know reached 700 home runs yeah i think all the fans by then had forgiven him and he was fully uh embraced back into cardinal nation and yeah it was so cool and unbelievable to see him reach 700 i don't think anyone would have imagined he could have done that at, at his age but yeah that was definitely the highlight of that season which Unfortunately, there are no postseason highlights that year, but Pujols' uh, comeback and, and then going out with uh, his longtime teammate, Yadier Molina, was was very cool. Yeah, for sure. Well, I did uh, see on your website, so you're talking about writing articles for Sabre, and you talked about one hit wonders and one win wonders, and then you said something that you're pretty fascinated, your interest, interest is uh, players with brief careers. So just tell us a little bit about that and kind of what you enjoy about those. Yeah, so um, you know, with, with the Sabre bios, you really kind of dig into each player's uh, background and, and their kind of life story. And I don't know, I've always had a little bit of a fascination for, for guys who you know, made it and had, you know, maybe just a cup of coffee or guys like Moonlight Graham, who, you know, maybe just got in that one game. And, you know, that was maybe the highlight of their career, even if it was just a 0 for 1 or, you know, one inning pitch. So I've, uh, yeah, kind of gravitated towards writing about guys like that, in addition to um, some of my favorite Cardinal and Mariners players. I appreciate you sharing that. Now, Eric, one of the segments we do is the profit and loss. And the profit's something you've gained or earned whether that's getting to see the St. Louis Cardinals when they win the World Series, uh, the times that they have won. Uh, maybe it's just getting to go and watch your favorite players growing up, getting to uh, write a book, any profit or gain you can think of. 
Yeah. So yeah, tons of um, uh, profits I could think of. Yeah, I went to game six and seven of the uh, 2011 World Series. So that those were highlights. But I would have to say meeting my wife through our connection uh, to baseball and the Cardinals was probably the my biggest gain. Uh, we went to college together and we're both uh, Cardinal fans and Field of Dreams was uh, both of our favorite movies. So we kind of met through that connection and kind of uh, took me a few years to actually uh, get up the courage to ask her out. But uh, we started dating and uh, yeah, now we've been married nearly 20 years. So that's probably my biggest gain. Yeah, you can't beat that, especially if she enjoys uh, baseball and everything just as as well as you do. So uh, wonderful to hear that. Now on the, the flip side, the reverse is maybe a Cardinals team that you thought had a chance to win the World Series that maybe lost or any other uh, loss you can think of? Yeah. Well, last year was pretty rough, uh, reaching 90 losses for the first time in <laughs> a long time. Yeah. I, I remember the looking back to my childhood, the, when one of my first uh, favorite players was traded, I, I loved Andy Van Slyke when he was uh, on the Cardinals in the mid 80s. And he was one of my favorite players. And I, I remember vividly my, my mom coming out and telling me as I was out in the yard playing uh, that Van Slyke had been traded to the Pirates uh, for Tony Payne. Yeah, and I, I was just devastated by that. And I think I was actually in tears. I was, I was so distraught by that. Uh, I, I think at that age, I didn't realize that, you know, my my favorite players could suddenly be uh, dealt away. But that, that one hit me pretty hard. Yeah, for sure. I understand that. Yeah, growing up, if you don't really understand quite the concept as you maybe do nowadays, and your favorite player is no longer there, same here. You know, I've had favorite players that get traded away and everything. So I definitely understand that for sure. Yeah. And now it's pretty unusual for guys to stick with one team for their whole career. So exactly. Yeah, for sure. Well, Eric, it's been a lot of fun. Really enjoyed having you on. Enjoyed getting to talk about the St. Louis Cardinals, talk about you. St. Louis is the third closest MLB ballpark to where I live. So I've gone to Bush Stadium a handful of times and really get to enjoy seeing Cardinals games. And uh, would you mind sharing where everybody can get a copy of Running Redbirds? Yeah. Um, so it's available basically on any um, online bookseller, uh, Amazon, uh, or through my publisher, McFarland Books. Uh, and also more information is on my website, which is ericvickery.com. Perfect. And then do you have any uh, social media, any Twitter, Instagram, anything like that that people can follow along on? Yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter. It's uh, Eric underscore Vickery, and that's V-I-C-K-R-E-Y. Perfect. Well, make sure you guys go out there, follow Eric online. Uh, check out his website and then get a copy of the book as well. Um, Eric, just really appreciate you joining us. And then also, if you get a chance, make sure you follow us as well. We're Earn Fun Average. Average is AVG. We're both Instagram and Twitter. Eric, just one more time. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Really enjoyed it. America, lower your standards. Average is what we do best. This podcast is part of the Curve Brim Media Network. 
Here are some of the other members of Curved Brim Media. Hi, this is Kelly Robinson, the Minor League Nerd. My YouTube channel explores the history of minor league baseball teams. More than just stats, we delve into team lineage, sharing stories from current franchises to obscure one-year wonders. Hi, this is Ed Rivera of the Data Chronicles. Join me as I interview people just like you and players, coaches, GMs on the path that led you to become a fan of the sport. Hey guys, this is Patrick Larson from the Minor League Baseball Hat History Series. And in every episode, I go through the history of minor league teams through my personal collection of hats. You can find me on Twitter at at PatLarson1. I hope you guys enjoy. I'm Paul Caputo, and on the Baseball by Design podcast, I talk to minor league baseball teams, designers, and other super interesting people about what these minor league baseball logos mean. And I talk a little bit about ice cream helmets. What's up, Bucketheads? I'm Anna Tomaso, and each week on the Baseball Bucket List podcast, I speak with a different fan about their favorite baseball memories, what the game means to them, and what's left to check off on their baseball bucket list. This is Patrick. And Corey. Of BaseballMapper.com. And we have made an interactive map to help highlight all baseball teams from the majors down to collegiate summer leagues. We want to bring you closer to baseball, so get on the site and find a team near you today. Learn more about Curve Brim Media at curvebrimmedia.com.